I'm Maggie. I'm Alex. And this is Socially Course. The podcast for all things geek, nerd, TV, film and marriage. And today we're really excited because so we have BJ Mendelssohn. Hello. Hi. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Thank you very much for uh, getting in touch with us everything. We're absolutely over the moon when you got in yeah. touch. We, we nearly, if we were capable of it, we would have done backflips. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, but we just resorted to having a big dance party and just going... Pretty crazy. much, yeah. Um, so, for those listeners of ours who don't know who you are, um, I'll ju- I just have a quick intro from your website, but feel free to sure. type in anything that you want to highlight about yourself, which is absolutely fine. Um, but you are a speaker, author of books such as Social Media is Bullshit and Privacy and How We Can Get It Back. And you're generally a social media impact guru and a fighter for privacy rights um and you have spoken on issues such as social media affecting society its involvement in political revolutions in the modern day Mm. um and from that i just had the question of why comic books yeah so making (laughs) sort of making the leap from uh, all that kind of stuff to comic books um is is something that we definitely want to (laughs) <laughs> talk no. about yeah absolutely um, we want so... to know everything about that part yeah, of absolutely. <laughs> uh, i could i could probably safely say i am the only person in the comics industry who has debated the ambassador to pakistan at the united nations and <laughs> also uh writes a comic book so yeah. uh, it's good the truth is TV. <laughs> yeah, it really is um and you know it, like I use it as much as I can. Like every time I reached out to the comics websites, I've always led with, uh, "Hey, I debated the ambassador of Pakistan at the United Nations." <laughs> Would you take my comic? Uh, and most of the time, they're they're pretty receptive. <laughs> so, I've been do- I've been doing comics for a long time. Uh, I've been since 2003. Uh, a lot of them are total shit, and uh, I haven't. I took them all off the web. So, all right, okay. They're that hard to find. Why we can find them. <laughs> yeah, I have a hard drive filled with just awful, terrible <laughs> comics from like when I was 19, 20 years old. Oh, of course, yeah, of course. Uh, so, you know, I've been doing it since 2003, and I, I just realized I was very unhappy uh, coming, just coming out of the marketing world. I mm. wanted to do something that, that was exciting and fun. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, movies are expensive. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Yep. know that. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's a bit of a shocker. Yeah. <laughs> well, I know, like, the, the Avengers movie had, what, a $500 million budget? Yeah. It's nothing. It's nothing. <laughs> right, it's nothing. Uh, it's a small, so it's just pennies, right? Yeah. And uh, I realized with a comic, you could do pretty much anything you wanted, and the only cost mm. was working with artists. So yeah. that, that really to me. And here we are. Mm. Oh, perfect. Um, so... Was it, did you have sort of the idea, obviously you were saying you've done comics in the past, did you have the idea for Vengeance Nevada, uh, have you had it for a while, or was it something that suddenly came to you and you thought, oh, this would make an excellent comic book? So, uh, just to set it up a little bit, uh-huh. I I got my first agent by publishing what could best be described as Mel Brooks meets Dracula. That sounds like uh, the best thing ever. Yeah. <laughs> and he's, I mean, he's tried it, there's Dracula dead and loving it, oh, which was... that film. Wasn't as good as some of his other films, but yeah. um, I, you know, I, I always wanted. I was always attracted to fiction. I always liked these just big, outrageous stories. And so, after Social Media's Bullshit had came out, I started working on the outline for a fiction novel about a small town sheriff who was really bored, and she goes she goes to garage sales and uh, she sells stuff on eBay to pass the time. So, wouldn't you know it? She just so happens to get in possession of this sword that belongs to a supervillain. And uh, the villain didn't know it was being sold, so they wanted it back. And that was that was the premise of the of Vengeance Nevada as a novel. And I realized 
it works way better as a comic. Mm-hmm. And so that's what the comic is. The comic is taking place after what would have been the novel. And that's, that's sort of what led into uh, me doing that story. Oh, okay, so there's kind of uh, an unwritten sort of precursor for the comic book then. Oh, yeah. Uh, one mm-hmm. of the things that I want to do with this book, it, it's sort of like the first Star Wars movie where there's all this shit going on, but nothing's really explained. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, you don't know why the Jawas are collecting androids in the first place and what, <laughs> what their whole deal is or what the Sand People's deal is. So I kind of like just dropping the reader into this world of where stuff has already happened, but... You don't need to know it to follow to follow and enjoy the story. The extra stuff is just cool. It's just fun, fun things to explore. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I'm, I'm, we're sort of big fans of like extended universe things. Yeah. Um, when it comes to like the Star Wars universe, I'm pretty keyed up on all the the extended kind of stuff. Um, awesome. So, yeah. So you don't necessarily need it to understand the story, but it's nice when you find yeah. out there's like extra. Uh, kind of stuff out yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. So that's always great. It's really great to be able to like dive deep into like one character and just find this yeah, entire backstory yeah. for them that you never knew. Like that's I feel like that's extra value for but for nerds particularly. <laughs> they like to go I, and find extra you're things. Right. You're absolutely right. I mean that's that's sort of my problem with uh, not, it's not a problem because it's not, I don't mean that in like a negative <laughs> sense. But like I'm reading uh, the Jean Grey trade paperback right now. Oh. It's excellent. It's it's a great story. The art is fantastic. I love the writing. But you can tell like it's a modern comic mm. in the sense that there's a very simple plot that they're just stretching over like uh, five or six issues. Yeah. And I I felt like I wanted to go back to comics it, when I was growing up in the, you know the early 90s mm. and the late 80s where they were kind of dense. Yeah, there was there was a lot going on, not in the inaccessible sense, but just in the sense of, wow, I could really just dig into just this one comic over the course of a couple months, and each time I come back to it, I'll find something that I didn't catch the first time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah well, we actually were talking about um, potentially covering like comic book character origins on this podcast, yeah. and we did realize nice. we're like, which which one do we start with? Yeah, they have so there's, many there's versions. Like, there's like ten original <laughs> Spider-Men, and you know. Right, so it's it's trying to find out which one came first, you know. <laughs> so it's like you extra, know, so yeah, that's extra stuff, yeah. You know what would be cool? Uh, a lot of people forget this, but in the very early run of Amazing Spider-Man, he ra- there's randomly an issue where he fights aliens for no reason. Excellent. Yes. And those those aliens are never heard from again. <laughs> of like Spider-Man's long history. So I that, I would encourage you to start with that one. Oh, well, that's, oh we're, that's we're definitely, definitely going to have to have a look oh, into yeah. that. Oh, yeah. We need to we need to have a proper look into that one then. <laughs> Spider-Man <laughs> fighting bad. aliens. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, was it? Oh, that's like that reminds me of um when that last Indiana Jones film suddenly had aliens in it. Oh, right. Like, that that caused <laughs> such a big uproar at the time. I remember that was so I just I was just watching it in the cinema. I'm like, what am I watching right now? What is this a crossover episode? Like, did I miss something here? Um so that was really I- I wish I was a person with, with strong... So, like, when I watch a movie, I'm, I'm intently focused on it, but mm-hmm. uh, that movie lost me after he got into the refrigerator and survived on a nuclear oh, blast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I wish I was the kind of person that would just react emotionally to that, So, because I would have just stood up and walked out at that point. Yeah, Like, mm-hmm. they just lost me, mm-hmm. and I was just like, oh, man. And then the movie just proceeded to get worse from there, so... Well, I, I I was intent on it just because I was on a date and I wasn't particularly into it. Ah, so wasn't, wasn't with me. Wasn't with me. No, this was yeah. So so I was particularly focused on the films. <laughs> See the the one two films I've been tempted to walk out on in my life, and the first one was Iron Man three, surprisingly. Yeah. 
And the second one was uh, the second of the new Star Trek films. Yeah, okay. Into the Darkness, I think Into it was. Darkness, yeah, the one with Benedict Cumberbatch. Is, is where, did that, where did that one lose you? Honestly, Star Trek, right at the start, I don't know why. It's just, you know, it, the, the sort of Federation had sworn to not interfere with any alien life forms. It's the prime directive. It's the basis for right. their whole system. Uh, and the first thing you see Kirk doing is interfering with a small tribe of people stealing the thing <laughs> they worship and then flying off in a spaceship that was hidden under the, under the water. Yeah. Um, right. Which, I mean, you, it was the whole underwater thing. Like, obviously, I know it makes sense. It's a spaceship. It's meant to function in the vacuum yeah. of space. It's not going to have a leak. But, like, for some reason, and from there, it just got steadily worse with Spock basically... Crying. The whole film, he was either crying or really angry. So I was just like, <laughs> right. this, this Spock just yeah. kind of lost it for me. Yeah. And uh, and for Iron Man 3, it was when the enemy, I can't remember what he was called, um, he he breathed fire. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh that's oh, right. I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> he just started spitting fire at Tony Stark. I was like, nope, I'm done. I, can't do <laughs> I think we both watched that film together and we were both in the same position. We were yeah. like, really, guys, come on. Uh, oh, um, and one more, what? the new Star Wars film, you The Last Jedi, Jedi. the the first oh. scene where he just he throws the lightsaber over his oh. shoulder. I was like, nah, no, I'm done. I can't do <laughs> this anymore. But we paid too much for that film. Yes, so <laughs> we had to see it out. So anyway, back to the comic. <laughs> Sorry about that tangent. No, that's great. I I feel so. Uh, Iron Man three, I really wanted to like mm. because it was Shane Black, and he's a he's a good writer and director. Mm. Uh, I even, you know, I know this is controversial. I even liked the alteration to the Mandarin character. Oh, um, very controversial. Yeah, I know. I, I'm, uh, I'm in the minority on that, <laughs> but I, I just sort of like the surprise. And really, the yeah. character, the character is super racist yeah. from the comics. <laughs> so for them to do something completely different was fine. Mm-hmm. But like, this, so I was okay with that. Uh, Star Trek, it had me up until he said his name was Khan, because oh, you knew. Yeah. You knew it was Rathacon, and it's fine, but <laughs> yeah. I just felt like it, you, you can't touch the original. Yeah. And it would have been cool. Like, as they were building up to him, it was like, don't say it, don't say it, don't say it. <laughs> and then he goes, my name is Khan. I was like, fuck. <laughs> uh, that, so that one lost me. And then, you know, with Star Wars, I realized with the Disney Star Wars, I have to separate the two. Yeah, like, absolutely. With the Disney Star Wars films, I don't like them the first time I watched them. Mm-hmm. But when I go back and watch them a second time, I found I have an appreciation for them. So I went through that with The Force Awakens mm-hmm. and one, and I feel like I'll go through that with The Last Jedi. But my problem with The Last Jedi is it would have worked if it was the last movie. Mm. And it's, it's not. No, so the fact is. that you know there's episode nine and whatever else is coming next is, is what kills The Last Jedi for me. Yeah, yeah. no, that makes perfect sense. We're actually the same way because um, The Force Awakens, we watched it the first time in the cinema, also didn't like it at all. And then we watched it again and we kind of gained appreciation for some of the fandom bits that are in there, like the Millennium Falcon. Like, there's, there's some right. like, excitement Yeah, there's, there's in some pangs in and, it where you, you get like the nostalgia yeah, kind of Yeah, and I think we're... For the podcast, we did also say that after our first video review of The Last Jedi, we will watch it again and do another one just in case there's some yeah. stuff that we will appreciate more because we will just separate some of the ridiculousness out of it. But, but it I just, doubt it. It was just too <laughs> convoluted and funny. It was. And like, it, it was like Avatar for me where it could have ended four different times mm. and it kept right. going. <laughs> it just, they, they never took it seriously enough for me. Like, mm. there's there, there are important moments in a film where you have to take things less seriously, but... Right. It's just like I say, that first scene, he gets the lightsaber, 
tosses it over his shoulder and walks oh. away. I'm like, really? This is Luke Skywalker, <laughs> the most legendary Jedi in the universe. And oh my god, I don't like I how. Think Mark... Yeah, go on. Mark Hamill would completely agree with you too. Yeah. I think that you know, he's said multiple times now that he didn't like that particular interpretation mm. of Luke. I just thought, you know, like I say, he's Luke's like the embodiment of what a Jedi is kind of supposed to be, and the yeah. new trilogy has turned him into this really angsty teenager. Uh, yeah, pretty much. Like, you know, <laughs> things, things go wrong. So what does he do? He runs away to a remote island. <laughs> he stays there and sulks forever. And it's like this is Luke and Skywalker. Drinks, and drinks blue milk. Drinks blue green milk. Right. Um, but we did like Rogue One. Oh, Rogue One. That's our favorite. That's a me. Did you like it uh, on the first viewing, or did you? Was it sort of like you had to go back? To, okay. The first viewing, yeah, it caught us by surprise. We because we were expecting we'd saw we'd seen uh, the Force Awakens not that long ago, um, and then we saw Rogue One, and we were expecting something akin to the Force Awakens, where we're like, it's okay, it's a bit naff, it doesn't really have much to do with the originals, blah blah blah. Um, but since it was a we came to the realization that since it was a completely new-ish kind of standalone story, there's not many places they could have gone wrong. Um, because obviously with it having taken place in between um, episodes three and four, three and four? Three and four. Three and four. Um, yep. There's not much that they could change about it. Mm. Things had to go a certain way where they had to steal the Death Star plans and they had to escape with it and blah, blah, yeah. blah. Although to be fair, I did spend about the first third of the film in the cinema being really confused because they yeah. kept jumping from place yeah. to place. Right. So... I kind of feel like, I, I, again, this is like a nerdy, nitpicky thing, mm-hmm. but I, I want I want the Star Wars films that have nothing to do with the main storyline to matter. Yeah. And so to me, with Rogue One, I was like, how cool would it be if this was actually Rey's origin story? Mm-hmm. And like that was that was turned out to be her mother. And you find out that her mom was like this hero that no one knows about. And that would have added, I think, a nice little layer to Rey. Oh, uh, that would have been awesome <laughs> but, it did, but instead they all die yeah and i was like <laughs> yeah. and i'm like okay it's it's fine that they all die because you want to do a war movie and, and yeah. they kind of have to to show you how powerful the death star is and yeah. why they're stopping it but to me it, you cannot watch rogue one mm. and it doesn't change your viewing of the other star wars movies which Absolutely. is what i want from, from those movies yeah, i can see that yeah oh i never even thought of that being an origin story for that, oh. I mean, the the more I do think about Rogue One, I'm like, I love it. It's one of my favorite Star Wars films, but there is a lot wrong with it storyline-wise. There's a lot of bits sure. that skipped over and yeah. a lot of bits that were underdeveloped and some characters were underdeveloped. And the whole um, droid with a personality thing, I think, is getting a bit old hat now. Um, yeah. Obviously, you had yeah. R2 and, and C-3PO in the originals, um, and then you had, like, K2SO in Rogue One, and now all of these films are coming out and they all have this really quirky robot in them mm. with like a really defunct personality. And it's like, it was funny the first time and now it's just getting a bit, oh look, here comes another. It was funny like 40 years ago. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. like, oh, here comes another quirky robot. Yeah. To I, think the la- I think the last time there was a funny robot was probably Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah. Like, because yeah. it was a super depressed robot, which I you love, would never expect. I love that robot. <laughs> with the voice of Alan Rickman. Anyway, actually, back to the comic. Well, actually, with regards to this, Not do you ever the envisage the comic becoming a film or TV show? Has that ever been in your head? That's true, yeah. So uh, up on my site, there's a link to a bunch of free comics, and uh, one of them is like a little preview for Vengeance Nevada, and that's done. At, that preview is meant to be like a, a short film mm-hmm. at some point. Mm-hmm. I don't – so, okay, I have this thing about uh, – where do I start? Okay. Uh, 
So, okay, this, I have to start with Thanos for this to make sense. Okay. Uh, my first comic, like my very first comic book, was Jim Valentino's Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm. And the first poster I had for a comic book event was the Infinity Gauntlet. Mm-hmm. So, to me, like, Thanos was just this great character that I want to know more and more of. And I realized he's such a compelling villain because he's doing what he does that I love. Mm-hmm. And that makes him fascinating to me mm-hmm. because he's not, he's not necessarily evil. He's amoral. And so just to having that kind of complex villain was, was fascinating. And then in the buildup to the film right now, you know, they were kind of secretive about what Thanos' plot is. And now they're saying, oh, well, he wants to balance the universe. And it just, I, I heard that and I was like, what the fuck? Like that, you could, how hard would it have been to just use Hela as a stand in for death mm-hmm. and say, you know, look, he's, he loves her. He lost her. Yeah. He, he wants to fix things with the gems. It, it, to me, it would have been simpler, but you lose that in, in translating mediums. Like you have to, you have to take a character like Rodin, who is essentially Thor for the Kree Empire yeah. and, and make him, I, I love the first Guardians film. It's my favorite Marvel movie, but, uh, Rodin is like the most boring part of that film because yeah. mm-hmm. he's just snarly and evil. Like he always missing his mustache that he's you know <laughs> twisting. And so the thing that worries me in doing Vengeance and Body, like it's definitely a comic book. Like it's mm-hmm. definitely yeah. uh, it's a it's a twenty four issue run that in this big expansive world and not answering everyone's questions and having them be able to dig deeper into it is part of fun. Mm-hmm. The comic, and I feel like if it's a movie, then you just lose. Like it's it's going to be Kristen getting the sword, fighting the the villain of the story, and then that'll be it. Like that's the film. Mm-hmm. And I just think you lose so much in that translation. So I, I hope not. I think a short film is fine, mm-hmm. but I would do like a, a feature length thing. Yeah. Um, so obviously, going back to you know the whole Marvel and DC thing and comic book, comic books being turned into films are a big thing now. And now there's like a big resurgence of comic books and things like that. So did that kind of influence your decision to get into the comic books or is it something you think you would have done regardless? I, I think it, it irritated me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like I, I grew up reading all these stories that I'm seeing and I don't really watch the DC films. Yeah. I should, yeah. I should throw that out there. It's not that I, uh, everyone's got their own taste. Zack Snyder is just not for me. Yeah. yeah uh, it's the best way. Yeah. And like Wonder Woman is an excellent film until the last like third of the movie hmm. where it turns into like a video game and they're, they're shouting like really terrible dialogue at each other. <laughs> uh, varies. Like I love that film. I love that character, but man, that, that last half of it or the last third of it is, mm-hmm. is tough. So <laughs> I realized with all these films coming out that I was like, I would just like to do a comic for a comic's sake. Mm-hmm. Mm. You know, I just, I love the medium. I think it's a lot of fun. I have other ideas for movies and, and other things that I could do. I wanted to do a film about a dog that bites a guy, and the guy slowly turns into a dog over the course of a week. And, and like, that's a film. Like, that's something you could tell in, in a movie. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas Vengeance Nevada is something where it's like it has to, you know, it's almost like, I, again, I'm not comparing it to mm-hmm. the level of quality of Watchmen, but Watchmen is definitely something that can only exist within the comics forum and you know and these sort of changes you make you're you're immediately going to lose something so that's that's sort of what i was going for yeah mm. absolutely i mean i know what you mean by Watchmen. i saw i watched the film and it took me about four or five times of re-watching it before i thought okay it's a decent film <laughs> like, yeah obviously no, the, not... the comics and the graphic novels are obviously just way better mm-hmm. 
it's not a bad film. I mean, like for someone who's never read Watchmen, like my dad used to read comics in like the fifties, you know, so he hasn't, his frame of reference for comics now is, is that. So for him to go and watch Watchmen and say that he loved the film, I I think that's great, but Mm. it wasn't originally designed to be that. Like if you look at the art and the panels and the structure, issue, like they very much wanted to bend and play with the format a bit. And you, just by putting it on screen, Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not. I'm not saying. I'm not criticizing the film and saying it's a bad no, film, no, no. but it's just different. Like it's not mm-hmm. what the original work was meant to be. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah I, I actually, because I haven't read the comics or anything. I yeah, I watched it once and then gave up <laughs> because I didn't understand what was happening. That's the thing. It's very because I mean, in general, we don't like stories, films, comics that um, jump around a lot. Um, right. We find them like. I mean, us, just us personally, we, we sometimes find them a bit difficult to follow. Sometimes they're okay if they're yeah. done well. Uh, other times, if they just jump around too much, you're like, wait, so who's this guy again? And why is he... Because yeah. you explained it like 10 scenes ago, but now I can't remember because I don't know if this is past, <laughs> present, or future. Like, right. <laughs> um, and Watchmen, the film, kind of did a lot of that. Yeah. It was very jumpy between what they were doing in the Vietnam War and then what they were doing before that and what they're doing now and why the world's ending and mm-hmm. things like that. Um, so yeah, it, it it does get a little bit difficult to understand. Yeah. And actually, with regards to so obviously, comics are something that is resurging, and it, it it can be annoying for the people who love them from way back, and now they're probably more expensive <laughs> and you know, right. more difficult to get because everybody wants them. Um, is that also the reason that you kind of went for podcast as a as a mm. channel? Because I mean, I've kind of noticed that there's a big resurgence of podcasts in yeah. terms of there's a lot of people from different channels like YouTube invading the space of podcasts, which could be good or bad. Don't know yet. But since <laughs> like comics are quite visual, why did you go for a quite audio format to kind of promote it and to get the word out? Oh, so uh, coming from. So I've worked with a lot of like tech companies and big companies mm. in launching in launching products. And so for me, knowing that both the privacy book and Vengeance Nevada are not in stores, mm. at least at this point, I realized that I could go and do what I did with the last book, uh, where I was touring and doing, yeah. you know, I, I spent like four years living out of hotel rooms and traveling the world, uh, which was crazy. And then I was doing like non stop radio. And I realized that for the podcast audience, it's easier for them to go. It's more likely that you have the Comixology app mm-hmm. uh, than it would be if I were to do a radio interview and someone has no idea what Comixology is. So mm-hmm. it was more a bet on my part that the audience for podcasts is more receptive to a digital-only comic. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, if it does well, then I'll turn around and I'll do a print run. But mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm very uh, there's a th- term I, it's been so abused, but it's called minimum viable product. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And so that's what Vengeance Nevada is. Like mm-hmm. putting out issue one on Comixology, I have no idea how it's going to, I might think it's good, but people might think it's awful. Mm. So the only way to find out without spending a lot of money is to put the first issue on Comixology, do like a small mm-hmm. uh, promotion for it and see what happens. Mm-hmm. And then if the response is good, then you can go ahead and, and do more. So that's, that's sort of why I'm doing podcasts to promote both the mm-hmm. privacy book and the Cause I, I just don't know what the response was going to be. No, yeah, that makes absolute sense. I mean, to be fair, even when we started this podcast, we did the same thing, didn't we? We just we just put it mm. out there, we tried it, and then we invested into stuff once we kind of felt that it was going well. So well, yeah, we're kind of doing it right. for, for our own enjoyment at this point. It's, yeah, we're less concerned. I mean, it would be great if we could make a living out of this one day. Obviously, that's the dream. But well, I'll uh, tell you the trick. 
Yeah. Uh, there, there is no trick to it. It's just time. Yeah. And a lot of, so I have this list of about 10,000, uh, 10,000 podcasters. And I would say about 4,000 of them have all abandoned what they were doing. Like mm-hmm. they were, they were hot to trot for like a few months and then they just quit. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the trick to podcasting is just sticking around and doing it yeah. while it's not, while it's not paying the bills because yeah. it just takes time to build an audience. And I think people, People don't realize that. Like they think, oh, hey, I've got this awesome product, like yeah. a comic. Mm-hmm. I'll put it out. People will love it. It's like, no, uh, you're probably going to eat shit for like a year. <laughs> and then someone, someone will quote unquote discover you. Yeah. Uh, and then they will go back and they'll read all your other stuff. So that's, that's typically how it works. Yeah. I mean, that, that is exactly what happened. Cause we, we did have a YouTube channel way back where oh, yeah. we um, talked about, cause we've got an extensive collection of Nerf guns. Um, nice. so we wanted to do like Nerf gun reviews and we thought it was a great idea and then we just didn't keep up with it because it was so much effort and then we started the podcast actually just because we love talking to each other about stuff and ranting to each other about nerdy yeah. stuff so we thought why not just put that. it out we should there. record it and, yeah, and, and publish it see yeah. what happens and I think <laughs> I think the reason that we've managed to although we've had you know there's always going to be hiccups um, yeah. but the reason we managed to stick with it is because it's just like it's it's a natural thing to do. Yeah. We don't necessarily edit it too much because we'd rather have the natural conversation going. Um, sure. But did you ever, like, I, I had this question down, but I didn't mean to have such a great segue, so thank you for that. <laughs> um, when you were doing Vengeance Nevada, did you ever have that in your head? Like, did you think, oh, I should probably just give up on this. This is just, like, halfway through, did you think, oh, no, no, can't, <laughs> can't do it. And how did you oh, get over that if you did? So, uh I don't do, and again, this isn't a knock on Patreon or Kickstarter or anything like that. Like, uh, French Tomato is completely self-funded, yeah. which is why it takes so long between issues. Cause honestly, like I'm mm-hmm. got to pay my bills and then yeah, I pay for the comic, uh, which is how, so to me, I never had any intent of, uh, this thing is going to get a huge audience. You know, I, mm-hmm. I just wanted to put it out to put it out mm-hmm. uh, cause I love it. I, I love mm-hmm. the medium. I just want to be part of the, the comics industry. Yeah, so. Yeah. I didn't really have any expectation of anything where I was like, oh, this is going to take off and do really well, or mm-hmm. uh, this this is going to make a lot of money. I, I think my attitude is if I break even mm-hmm. on each issue, then mm-hmm. that'll be great. Mm-hmm. And if, if not, I'll just keep doing it until all 24 issues are out. It's just, mm-hmm. you know, it's fun. Right? Mm-hmm. So Absolutely. obviously coming from like a marketing background, you had that um, kind of inherent knowledge almost of, you know, you, you know that there are certain things you have to do and certain things that you have to expect when you first kind of start out. Yeah, I've definitely had no expectation. Like, yeah. I think that's that's sort of the problem is uh, we, we're we definitely like an instant gratification society yeah. mm-hmm. uh, where we put something out and it's like, look at how awesome I am. And, you know, like, I'm the opposite where it's like, all right, I'm going to put out issue, because uh, issues one through four are already done. Like, we, mm-hmm. I want to make sure I... I want to make sure I got ahead on it yeah. uh, because I'm self-funding it. Mm-hmm. And so my attitude is I'm just going to put these out. Uh, and if nothing happens, great. And if something happens, awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll be more – so I'm working on a graphic novel, and I'll be more, uh, I guess, upset if I am not able to sell that so I can agent or publisher yeah. mm-hmm. than I would be if no one buys Vengeance about it. Like if no one buys this thing, then I'm just going to keep doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, that's – because, I mean, this this isn't a plug for myself or anything. I wasn't sure if I was going to mention this, but um, I am sort of writing a, a short, short book at the minute, um, like a, a fantasy kind of sci-fi thing. Um, and there are, nice. there, there have been times where I've been like, oh, I just really... Can't. Like, I reread it and I think, 
what am I talking about? Like, what is going on? I'll finish an <laughs> right. entire chapter and just think, what the hell is this chapter about? What is going on? Um, so do you ever have that kind of, not just the writer's block, but like the motivational block as well, where you just think, I mean, like, you know, I know that you're aware you have to put time and effort into something to get anything back from it. Mm. Um, but is there ever any time where you just think this could be going so much quicker? Yeah, I mean, I get that every day. Um, I feel that right now with, mm. with a lot of things that, you know, with the privacy book, it's like, why is this not on TV when Facebook is yeah. getting grilled? And the truth is, is I'm not a professor. Um, and yeah. at least with the American media, that's typically they will interview other journalists or academics yeah, before they'll interview, uh, other, which is totally, that's again, not a criticism, mm-hmm. but, uh, so I do, I do have moments like that where I'm like, you know, the, the book is good. Uh, it answers all the questions that you have about Facebook. Why is it not on TV? So, uh, although I dodged a few bullets cause I, you know, Fox News wanted to have me on and I don't necessarily share their point of view on things. So ah, right, okay. I'm, I'm kind of glad that didn't work out. Um, <laughs> But, you know, I get I get this a lot where uh, so I've been traveling into promoting social media is bullshit and I always get mobbed after the presentation is over. And people always go, you know, I, I want to run for Congress or I want to put out a, a book or, you know, I always just get like these, these different questions. And then they go, well, someone else can do it. So why should I do it? And my response is always, well, why not you? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's that's what I tell people is that like only again, this will sound lame, but only you can write that story. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why you do it because mm-hmm. no one else, no one else can, someone might come out with a similar product, mm-hmm. but it's not going to be your product. Like I know the, the Dracula parody that I've been fucking around with for about 10 years now, uh, no one else is going to write that. Like I am the only person mm-hmm. that do that. So that's why I do it. Cause if I don't do it, it won't happen. So I, that's why I tell people is you just, uh, why, yo, it's why not you? And the trick mm-hmm. is say it is me and I'll go and do it. Yeah. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah. And, um, do you think, because obviously we haven't published a comic book, was um, Comixology a platform that helped you do that, or was it a little bit of a setback where it took a lot of time to get it on there? Was that? How do you feel about that? Uh, so it's it's a good platform in that it's open, and I think that it's it's if you know how to if you know how to use Photoshop or mm-hmm. any of the graphic editing programs, then mm-hmm. it's very straightforward. I had to hire someone because mm-hmm. uh, Avengers Nevada, the first four issues weren't designed like they were designed to be printed and mm-hmm. to be displayed on the web mm-hmm. they weren't they weren't designed for comiXology mm-hmm. so i actually had to hire someone to go and like reformat everything and, and right. that that added up to a bit of money mm-hmm. um so there's that like there's that aspect of it because mm-hmm. for people that are printing their comics you know that's a different aspect ratio to what comiXology wants mm-hmm. uh the only negative i have with comiXology is that they don't tell you when your book is going to drop oh, like right. i thought yeah, I thought that you would have a bit more control to it. So what happened was I submitted Vengeance Nevada back in November thinking, okay, it'll it'll take a couple of months to go through the review process, yeah. and then they'll give me an option to publish, mm-hmm. which is what you would think that they would yeah. do. But that that's not what happens. They just sort of go, hey, your book is coming out on, like, uh, the week <laughs> of Thanksgiving. And so that's what happened. Like, I got an email the week before Thanksgiving saying Vengeance Nevada is coming out. Uh, the same day as Thanksgiving in, in America. And I was thinking, well, fuck. Um, <laughs> how about, good luck promoting that because, yeah, that's like a, like a dead zone. So, uh, yeah, but that's true in, in their defense. That's true with, uh, the Google Play Store and with Apple mm-hmm. where they don't tell you when they're going to release your product. And so it's kind of a big guessing game. So is it on anywhere else right now or do you sort of have plans to branch out anywhere or did you intend for it to be anywhere when it first came out? 
No, I just want to do that comicsology. I just wanted to see, uh, will people buy this thing? And, and if so, can it, does it break even? And if it does break even, then I'm like, okay. Uh, so I, I have applied to a couple of comic cons. Uh, there's, mm. I'm really into women's professional wrestling. And I mentioned that, uh, because there's this thing called fantasy cosplay wrestling. Uh, I, I'm forgetting the, hang on, give me one, just one second. Uh, because I want to make sure I promote them properly. Okay. And it's, yeah. by the way, it's male, female. Like, so I don't want anyone to think like this is just like girls in costumes. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We're all like about it's that not. Quality thing. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's called fantasy super cosplay wrestling. <laughs> uh, it's a real, it's a real thing. And they are at the Florida comic book convention. That's Florida Supercon that's coming up. Wow. Uh, so I, because they're there, I did go. And uh, apply to do like a presentation about you know marketing comics and and talking about Benji Savada at that con. Nice. Uh, yeah, so that's kind of my like test run. Uh, mm-hmm. So I next year I probably will do some cons mm-hmm. to see just what again you you, t- you should test everything. So, mm-hmm. but again, there's there's no I have ideas of what I want to accomplish and where I want to go, but there's really no plan. No. Uh, at, at any point, I could just go you know what, I'm going to publish a book on my own and just not promote it. Uh, and it's, a, you know, it's a vanity project. It's just something I'm putting out there. Mm-hmm. Or it could be something where I just go crazy and uh, start knocking on Image Comics' door and saying, why aren't you publishing this? Yeah, yeah. That, that cosplay like, thing sounds amazing. Yeah, we, I love we, that. we just looked it up. It looks absolutely fantastic. <laughs> they, do, they do a wonderful job. Uh, I, I'm really excited to go and see it live. Mm. Uh, and they've been traveling to different cons for a while now, so it seems to be getting bigger, too. Oh, that's absolutely fantastic. Because, well, well, I mean, cosplay is something we'd love to get into, but um, at the moment we don't kind of have the time or the, <laughs> um, or the skill. Yeah, or that's the, the thing. We, we don't have many conventions in. I mean, we're in the northeast of the UK. Um, you know, the best we get up here is, like, really, really small Comic-Cons. And they're, they're fantastic to go to and things, um, but we don't have, like, the time or, or the expertise to put into making these cosplay costumes. Um I mean, we got right. a sewing machine recently, so we're on the way. Well, hell yeah. Um, <laughs> That's awesome. Um, and, I, you know, I, I know a, a couple of cosplayers, and I've seen the things they do, and I'm just like, you know, it's, it's absolutely fantastic. It's something I definitely do want to get into, because uh, I think I'd have a lot of fun making, like, the weapons and things like that out of the right. the craft foam and stuff. I think yeah. that would be absolutely I would fantastic. Just, I just think the appeal of it is you're seeing your favorite superheroes fight each other. Like, yeah, exactly. On yeah. an actual right. stage right Where, in front where of else you. could you see Skeletor fight the Dovahkiin? Like, yes. It's just one of those things. That would be amazing. That's what makes it wonderful. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, I highly recommend them. I think it's just FSCW on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, it's FSCW Wrestling on Twitter for people that want to, want to check that out. Again, uh, it's, it's awesome. Um, I know, how far are you from, so again, my only point of reference for United Kingdom is Wales, mm-hmm. uh, okay. which is weird mm-hmm. <laughs> in, a, in a lot of respects. And so I know that they, there's a comic convention out there as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we're so I, we're oh. like we're like close to the border of, with Scotland. Okay. So we're like all the way cool. in, like we're all the way across the country from Wales. Oh, okay. Sense. Yeah, we're um, kind of on the opposite side. Uh, we're just gotcha. we're kind of top of England, just underneath, a little bit underneath Scotland, right next to the ocean, things like that. Uh, it's like Newcastle. It's probably okay. Newcastle, Durham is the closest kind of reference point, I guess. It's where Harry Potter. So I believe. <laughs> That's a pretty, well. That's a pretty good claim to fame. Yeah, exactly. It, it, it's all right. Uh, I've only been I've only been to London once, and I almost died. So um, I have 
I have no like visual reference for one thing because I was just me in a hotel room for uh, being very sick. And so oh. I, I, I've had to go back over. I, I've been talking with this guy at the BBC. I don't know if it's going to happen, but um, I might come over there at some point because I, I feel like uh, the only Mendelssohn to ever cross the ocean was my grandfather to fight in World War II. All right. <laughs> and so, so uh, I would like to very much go go over there and just explore. But I was out in Wales to do a, uh, a conference. Mm-hmm. And so, like, that's my only frame of reference. But, uh, no, it's, you know, I found that the, the fans overseas are much more engaged yeah. with comics and cosplay than they are here. We're here. It's not to say that there's not hardcore fans, because yeah. certainly there's Chicago and Portland uh-huh. and uh, New York, where you've got, like, these hotbeds of comics. But Absolutely. anywhere else in the country, you don't see that. Uh-huh. Like, you just don't see a lot of comics readers that are... Mm-hmm. That are really split, and that's that's too bad. But I found overseas that there's just a passion for it that I love. Mm. I yeah. think it's because, like, I feel like in the U.S. there's so much more happening around the nerd fandom, yeah. so you can you can get away with just True. not doing as much. Whereas here, you have to kind of create your own world. Of Plus, there's, there's a lot more sort of people who are mainstays in the the nerd and geek communities who are based in America. Yeah. All of the authors and the comic book writers and you know everything like that, for the most part, you'll find that they're based in the US. Mm. So it's much easier to organize a convention that lots of people will go to because there are such hard-hitting people there. Yeah. Whereas like True. Stan Lee and things like that, because he's in the US, he's and easier to get a hold of. Much he's... more common. <laughs> exactly, that's what I mean. Yeah, they're, they're more commonplace. Um, I mean, we still get... Um, plenty of decent guests and the comic cons that we have in newcastle and we get people from like red dwarf and um mm. characters from you know the doctor who universe and and this even um i think michael dawn was there once actually yeah. oh um, yeah he was yeah, yeah yeah um and things like that so but that's like once a year yeah exactly yeah and ah. it's you know it usually in the middle of the week and you have to pay, <laughs> obviously you have to pay to get in and things like that it's usually so... near my birthday actually that's surprisingly true. so hey that that works out yeah no, don't give her idea <laughs> <laughs> um, so, going back to Vengeance Nevada, was there anything in particular that inspired the idea of it? Obviously, I know you were saying you've got this, you know, sort of sheriff who's just really bored, and then she kind of happens across this mystical weapon. Um, is there anything that sort of drew you to that idea at all, or did it just come off the top of your head? Yeah, so there was, there was two. There's really two things that influenced it. First is you know because I started reading comics in the early '90s when comics were bad. Uh, <laughs> there, there was a whole lot of like Ghost Rider and Spirits mm. of Vengeance, and Venom had a, his own series for no reason. <laughs> so uh, I, I always found Ghost Rider fans fascinating, but he wasn't interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if that makes sense. Like mm-hmm. it, it's a guy yeah. with a flaming skull who's inhabited by a demon. <clears throat> but he's also really boring. Yeah, yeah, really. Which is like, ridiculous. Uh, so to me, it was like, all right, can can you make Ghost Rider funny or interesting? Mm-hmm. And uh, if you're reading the Thanos comic right now, they they found a way to make Ghost Rider funny, which is by mashing him up with Deadpool, uh, which is what they did, which is which is kind of cool. But yeah. up until recently, that was it. Like he was just oh too powerful. I just stood around and looked scary, and then that was it. So <laughs> I was like, okay, I, I would like Kristen to to see if I can answer that question of, can you make Ghost Rider interesting? Can you make Ghost Rider funny? Ah, right, okay. And so that's that's definitely, like, if you look at the first issue, you can definitely, mm-hmm. it's still like, you can see the influence uh, between yes. the two characters. Absolutely, yeah. So there's, there was that. And then the other thing was, I'm, I'm a big fan of the Venture Brothers. Mm. Uh, the problem with this show, well, there's a couple of problems with the show. One, uh, it's mostly male-dominated, and I didn't like mm. 
how the female characters are portrayed with the exception of, uh, well, I mean, her name was Dr. Girlfriend and now it's not in Miss the Monarch. So that tells you, like, you know, how, how she's written. Like the, with the exception of Sheila, which is what the character's name is, uh, the other women in the show really didn't have much purpose mm-hmm. other than to either be like a, a sex item or, or something yeah. to just type a story. And so I loved the show, but I always struggled with that. So I was like, okay, what if we did something that kept the tone of the Venture Brothers, but we flipped it? So it's an almost all female cast. Mm-hmm. All right, okay. Yeah. And so, Vengeance Nevada is it's almost exclusively women mm-hmm. that that are in the lead and drive the story, and it's all women of color. I think, like, uh, with the exception of Gamma Ray, who hasn't appeared in the first issue, she's the only white woman um, who was among the cast. And so, I really wanted to play with that a bit, where I wanted something like the Venture Brothers that that solved the problems of the show. And the other issue with that show is it premiered in 2004 mm-hmm. and uh, season six just aired like two years ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it, it goes away for these just absurdly long periods of time. And I was like, I want, I want it. I want it now because I'm a millennial. Uh, and mm-hmm. so I was like, okay, I, I can, I can do something like this. And that's, that's those two things really is what that is about build around. So did any of that come from, obviously there's a, um... A big movement at the minute about you know women's equality and, and more rights in the workplace and things like that. Um, so did any of that kind of tie in with your inspiration for um, Vengeance Nevada or? No, uh, and the reason why is this will this will sound a little stupid was um, growing up like all of my friends were exclusively women. All right. And I was like that all through high school, all through college, and all through, actually all through life right now. And even my fans uh, on the internet. I, so I used to publish like these stupid comedy articles that uh, back went before social media, like when you had College Humor and Fark and, yeah. uh, you know, and Boing Boing, and they would link to you and it would be a big deal. And so uh, most of the audience that I got from there was women. Mm-hmm. And so I feel more comfortable writing female characters, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, because yeah. I could go. So like with Kristen, she's Native American. So I have a friend of mine who is Mohawk. Oh, and so uh, I was able to talk with them. And uh, Kristen is not Mohawk. She's Washoe. She's a different tribe. But I was able to kind of get uh, a couple of commonalities between the tribes where it's like if you grow up and you struggle with this identity of uh, if you go away to college, let's say you grow up on the res and you go to a college yeah. that's nearby the res. It's all white. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, there's sort of that struggle of how do I fit in and do, am I fitting in too much? And um, you know, there's a lot of like cultural differences. And so you kind of see that with Kristen's character a little bit when she interacts with her father, mm-hmm. uh, it, it, the next issue. And so like, I, I was able to do that. I was lucky in that I was able to go to different women in my life and say, Hey, let me ask you, uh, what would you do with X, Y, Z? And so that's sort of how Benjamin Vada is written where I'll come up with a plot and the outline. And then there's, there's sort of like this, I call them my executive board. <laughs> and I, I go to my executive board, which is, of course, all women <laughs> and uh, all, all women of uh, diverse backgrounds. And so mm-hmm. uh, I sort of bounce things off them and then I go and I script the issue. And so uh, I guess I don't want to say I was ahead of the curve because it shouldn't have been a curve in the first place. Yeah, I mean, we should have been I mean, yeah. uh, we should have been talking about this stuff from mm-hmm. day one. But, uh, I guess I'm lucky in the respect that I, I had always had this idea in my mind and it's just now that the larger industry is sort of going, hey, we should write more characters with female leads. Yeah, and they, yeah. they, 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 with Wonder Woman, we now have a movie that you know, can show you that the female lead can 
can open strong in the box office and perform very well. And now with Black Panther, mm-hmm. you know, this is, I think in the United States, it's the third highest grossing film ever. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. Yeah. In, in the United States. And so, um, to show that person, the cast that's entirely people of color can, mm-hmm. can open huge, I think is, is wonderful. So I, I think I was a little ahead of it, but I'm just happy that we're, that we're even talking about that, that we're talking about that, that moment is there. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So you basically, you, you rode a wave that was yeah. there, yeah. Even, even without you <laughs> having to create it. But that's, I tend to, I tend, my life is consistent of me falling ass backwards into things. <laughs> This is just a good example. Of that. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, so that that is, I think, to be fair, that has opened my mind about Vince yeah. Navarro as well. Because when we read it, we were like, okay, we need to find out probably more about this, which has yeah, really helped yeah. with knowing what it is about and how amazing it will be yeah, when I mean, more we, issues come out. We did thoroughly enjoy the. Uh, like I say, we're not sort of. We really should be based on who we are as nerds and geeks, but we don't read a lot of comic books. It's something that we want to get into, but like Maggie said before, obviously with the resurgence of comic books, they're all super expensive now. And right. If you want to go back and learn about the origin stories of some superheroes, you have to dig through and find out which one is right, and then usually those are like special first collector's editions that cost hundreds and hundreds of pounds, you know. Um, so we we did read Red Vengeance Nevada, um, which you kindly sent us a copy of, um, and it was fantastic. Mm-hmm. It was really good. Yeah. Uh, the story on it is excellent so far from what we could tell. The uh, artistry is really nice That's as well. Um, I like the kind of contrast between the black and white and then sudden splashes of yeah. color for certain things. Mm. Um, sure. they, uh, that's a really good sort of yeah. um, and I also like I also like the chatty nature of... Um, Kristen chatting with the guy, oh, I don't remember his name, but the guy on the com and they were oh, just Glenn. chatting. Glenn, yeah. Yeah, and they were just having a normal conversation. Yeah, there was fun like, right away. Yeah. I, really, I really like that, and I think that made it really easy to read. So um, for our listeners, you. you can get it on Comixology. Um, it's only £1.99, so get it, read it. It's amazing. And you should buy get all the rest now. of them. Yeah. <laughs> well, one thing I want to point out is that it, the, the price will never change. Like, so mm-hmm. each issue that's coming out will be about 30 pages. I think this one was short by about three or four because I, I, again, I didn't know mm-hmm. what to expect with the release. But each issue going forward, the price is always going to be the same. Mm-hmm. Oh, It'll okay. be 30 pages and there's always going to be like a backup comic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like, issue two, I think the, the story, because it's, again, because issue one and four were already done. Uh, so it stops at a, it stops at a place where it, it has to stop, mm-hmm. but it only runs 22 pages. And so I was like, okay, there needs to be something else. So uh, again, I have free comics on my website, and one of those comics, Jobbers, mm-hmm. will actually be the backup comic for Benjamin Nevada going forward. So oh, really? uh, yeah, I, I, one thing, just I found people around my. I don't know how old you guys are, but because uh, I'm going to turn 35 next week. Okay. And I found people in my age range are more into the movies and the cartoons yeah. and TV shows than the actual comic. And that's, that's very yeah. common. Like I've done, so I've done a lot of these interviews and, and talked to a lot of comics people at this point. And I found um, I have more in common with them when we talk about Batman the Animated Series mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. than when I talk about like Jim Valentino's Guardians of the Galaxy. Like, mm-hmm. so uh, I found that that's incredibly common for people in that age range to not be reading the comics, but to be absorbing comics through these other mediums. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's that's generally how I learn about the superheroes originally, is that I'll watch the film and I'll get really interested, and then I'll go away and do some research about 
their actual origins mm. and then I could talk to Maggie about it and then we talked to other people about it go no in the film they did this you know and mm. it was really good um, but fun fact it was like this we don't say it in terms of oh well the film didn't do it right because they did it this way it's like that's not necessarily what comics are about because they're kind of open to right. interpretation they're open to reimaginings and that's why like we say there's like 10 different amazing spider-men because you know they get reimagined and redone in different ways and things like that um so it's yeah (laughs) i was was just gonna say yeah so that i just yeah i really like that we've had this like really in-depth conversation about like the background and i feel like that'll really help other people um is it all right if we ask you some silly questions to round everything (laughs) off and learn a little bit more about you um if yeah, that'd be great. There's there's some that you can have a think about, but then we will have a quick fire round. Quick fire round. Which for like one of them, multiple choice. Yeah, for one of them, I think I already know the answer because you mentioned it before. Yeah. But if we start with um, your favorite Star Trek captain? Uh, well, Cisco wasn't a captain until later, but hmm. yeah, I would say Commander Cisco, Captain Cisco. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. Very interesting. I do choice. like Cisco. Never hear Cisco being chosen. No, do you? no, no. Everybody always goes for the typical Kirk ones. Kirk Picard, and that's it. And <laughs> no one ever. I mean, I, I, Cisco. I love the original series. The Next Generation was like for my brothers and sisters because they yeah. were Gen X. Mm-hmm. Uh, Deep Space Nine was my Star Trek. Mm. I love Deep Space Nine. So yeah. that's what attracted me to Cisco. Yeah, actually, I, I personally don't... I have never gotten into original series. Yeah, you never like So that. I always advocate kind of Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, and Voyager as my kind of Star Trek. It hasn't aged nice. well. Like, if you've never really seen the original series, if I was to take you back and show you yeah. it from episode one... It would be a really rocky stuff. I got to episode you know, three and got too scared. I found that it's because I've been watching it. There's a there's a channel here in the states that just runs shows for old people. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I can't I can't think of the name of that. So, but it's basically oh, like right. if you're 70 and older, like they have programming for you. Yeah. And so uh, it's kind of great because you get to watch these like commercials with the, the you know I've fallen and I can't get up and here's my my life alert number. Uh, but so. Star Trek is aired every night at eight, and you can tell, like watching it today uh, with twenty eighteen eyes, it definitely feels like a little boy's space yeah. fantasy. Yeah, yeah. And I, I get, you know, I get the appeal. Look, I'm a guy. The, mm-hmm. the women on the show are beautiful. I understand mm-hmm. what they were going in the sixties, but it, today, yeah, it definitely looks like something that that's archaic when you look at something of sci-fi programming. So, yeah. quick side question to the side question in that case: What do you think of the new Star Trek on the TV show uh, Discovery? Oh, I've gotten into a couple of debates on this. Yeah. Uh, I like it because I'm able to separate it. So, I look at each Star yeah. Trek as separate from each other, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so I, I was able to go, okay, Discovery is its own thing. I'm going to go in and I'm going to enjoy Discovery for being Discovery. Mm-hmm. Uh, I found if you try, if you think too hard about how it connects with mm. the original series or Enterprise, it'll make you a little crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's where people get pissed off at Discovery. But I I just said, I'm going to go in cold and watch it, and I enjoyed it. Mm. Fair enough. Okay, next, next question, question. Um, is from a different fandom. Who's your favorite Doctor? Oh, um, that's hard. Let's yeah. say, I would have... who's, who's your favorite sort of original Doctor, and then who's your favorite new Doctor? Who is the guy from like 2012 that was the doctor? Was it Tennant or Eccleston? I, I think was, it was Tennant. Was it when? I'm the, not sure. Was it like the first new season or was it the yes. one? Yes. Yeah, it was Christopher Eccleston. Okay. Uh, he was he was only part guy. of it. Yeah, for like one season, he wore the t-shirt and the leather jacket. Yes. 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 Yeah, it was, uh, it was Christopher Eccleston. 
So him and Tenet, and the reason why I say this, because for Doctor Who, for, for, I guess people in the States, maybe to a greater extent, like I wasn't aware of it until mm-hmm. way later. Like yeah. it was, oh, hey, this is on Netflix. It's kind of cool. Uh, I was actually out on a date with this girl in Chicago and we sat and we binge watched uh, Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. That's a good date. So, good yeah, it, we had a lot of fun. And she she's a big fan of David Tennant. So mm-hmm. for that reason, um, I'm going to use her name's India. So I'm going to use India's answer and I'm going to say David Tennant. Mm. Okay. Okay. Mm, interesting. Interesting. Okay. Um, this you will probably have very strong opinions on, but favorite social media <laughs> platform? Oh, geez. Um, <laughs> Twitter. Twitter because, uh, one, the comics industry has taken to it. Mm-hmm. So despite some of the numbers around Twitter being overblown, mm-hmm. a lot of artists and creators and cosplayers all use it heavily. And so mm-hmm. I, I think it's a good tool to keep up with people in the business. And then for people that want to promote something, it's also great because all the journalists use it. So mm-hmm. uh, between those two things, I would have to say Twitter. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm not surprised, yeah. Uh, so you may not have an answer to this one, but you might. Um Who's your favorite video game character? Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> we do not ask easy questions. <laughs> uh, Alucard. Really? From, yeah, Castlevania Symphony of the Night. Oh. Uh, that game was phenomenal. I still go back and try to play it uh, as I can. It's it's my all-time favorite. So that, I would say, I mean, I have a lot of them. Uh, Mega Man would probably be up there. Mm. Uh you know, obviously, I, I was a Nintendo kid growing up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, oh, you know, I have, another, I have one that most people would not think of. Uh, it would be Bonk from Bonk's Adventures. A lot of people don't realize that TurboGrafx-16 and Bonk was a thing, but it was. Um, for my childhood, I was a TurboGrafx-16 kid. <laughs> and uh, I was an Atari Jaguar kid. I was a weirdo. So, uh, yeah, I would say Bonk would have to be up on that list. Oh, I, so far, you guys... You guys haven't asked me who I would put on, who would I would, what character I would want to date. I've been getting that a lot lately. Oh, don't worry, we'll get to that one. Okay. Next question: Which video game character would you like to date? <laughs> <laughs> or which which character in general in the kind of fictional universe? Uh, well, I have two answers. So one is Neymar, and the other would be Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, those would be uh, one or two, I think. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. At least you've got a uh, an established answer for that one. <laughs> Um, so this one is a little bit different. Is what is your favorite board game? Oh wow, uh, Clue. Ah, uh, yeah, okay. it, ha- it has Clue. Uh, I love the movie, mm-hmm. and I was able. You know, I know when it aired in theaters, they, everyone got a different ending. But when it came out on VHS, uh, you got to see all the endings. And I think mm-hmm. that's made it better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so uh, I, I love Clue. Oh, that was really funky, actually. Right. Stepping um, away from nerdiness yep. for a little bit. <laughs> what is your favorite meal? Oh, God. Um, before the heart attack and heart surgery or before the heart attack and heart surgery? Well, one of each. <laughs> okay, so uh, when I was traveling around the world and living out of hotels, I was eating Chipotle pretty regularly. Ah. Uh, and that may or may not have led to the heart attack. <laughs> uh, no, it, it, it did it, but I like to tell people it did. Uh, so that was before, and I think after I... Um, I think a, a good salad, as as boring as that might sound. Uh, yeah, I, I found that your diet, after you almost die, your diet completely changes, and you're like, okay, uh, a salad is good enough. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> to be fair, I agree. A good salad. We is... do, we do well, enjoy a good salad, yeah. Yeah. 
like you know the, a lot of people just go really lazy with salads but you can get a, like if you get a really good salad at a mm. restaurant that's like wholesome and has different like texture oh, it's a good salad <laughs> you want a salad um, for lunch <laughs> yes um what is your favorite city in the world favorite city um i hate to be cliche and give like an american answer but you it. have to understand that like my travel experience has been outside the united states has been a little limited like, you know, i've been traveling like most of my travels within the United States. I've mm-hmm. gone to Canada, I've gone to the UK once, I've gone to Russia once. Uh, Russia. Wow. Yeah, I want to say Moscow because it was so crazy. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not, I it just, I can't get out of my head people driving in six lanes of traffic going in either direction and there's no signs. And you have like people who clearly haven't washed their cars since the 90s. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And mm-hmm. like, you've got, like you've got like these Mercedes next to those cars, and I it just it, <laughs> it was so strange to me that I, that to me because I like odd things. I would mean, have yeah. to put Moscow up that list. Mm-hmm. It was it's kind of because Maggie's from Slovakia originally, so we obviously go over there to see family. I, it's kind of similar, I would say, where you, <laughs> you see some crazy stuff. You're just like. It's 2018. How is that car still working? Well, actually, right. you, well, I think you'll find is that when Slovak people come to the UK, they're like, how does everybody have a brand new car? What is this world? Why isn't there like a 20-year-old car anywhere? Consumerist UK. <laughs> um, so last of the slightly more complex questions, who is your most sort of, who do you draw the most inspiration from, living or dead? Living or dead? Oh, wow. Uh, George Carlin. Okay. So growing up, uh, my parents weren't really around, and I had I, I just had a rough childhood. And so for me, with the lack of adults in the room, mm-hmm. I gravitated to George Carlin. You know, there was always an HBO special around the corner, and there yeah. was VHS tapes of, of his specials. I would just put those on, and I realized that you don't have to be an adult like the people around you. You can be an adult that goes and says funny things and, and, and sees people for a living. And so uh, that's probably who I draw the most inspiration from. George Carl, a very, very funny man. Um, what about sort of fictional characters? Do you draw any inspiration from fictional characters at all? Or does any any fictional character make you kind of really think, you know, I, I could deal with life today? <laughs> I, I think it's there's, there's certain characters that are just quiet badasses. Yeah. Uh, me, so Mia Harker, I, I've spent a lot of time on Dracula and, you know, writing funny things uh, and trying to make it like a funny novel. Mm-hmm. And I've spent a lot of time with Mina. And what I like about her is that she's clearly smarter than everyone else around her. Yeah. But because she's in the Victorian era, she kind of has to like pull her punches yeah. and, and, and gently suggest things. But I always like the idea of in my version of Dracula, because the way for people who haven't read the book, uh, Dracula is told by each, like, so John Harker has a section and uh, Seward has a section then Mina has a couple of chapters here and there throughout the book. And I kind of liked getting to her chapter and she's just like a foul mouthed lunatic <laughs> because she's like, I can't, I can't handle these stupid men and no one listening to me and they're all fucking idiots. And so I kind of, I kind of like her just venting and, and just dealing. And so I always had to kind of like pull my punches and, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, be political of certain things. Um, you know, I, like I gave you my answer about the, the dating question. And so, yeah, uh, so there's things like that where, you know, you kind of want to answer it, but you kind of can't. And so for that reason, I, I think Mina is uh, definitely one of those characters. Oh, perfect. Um, so we'll hit you with just a couple of quick fire questions. Um, sure. I think you've kind of answered this one already, but Marvel or DC? Marvel. Um, I As I get older, I'm finding there's an appeal to DC. DC would, 
yeah. in their defense, was bad <laughs> yeah. for most of the 90s and early 2000s. So at the time that I was reading comics, there really wasn't anything there that I, I wanted to get into. Yeah, no, that's fair. Um, do you have any, out of curiosity, do you have any outside of Marvel and DC, which are the main heavy hitters, obviously, um, do you have any outside of that that you quite enjoy, like graphic yeah. novel or comic book-wise? So uh, Harvey Picar, American Splendor. Yeah. Um, I think the graphic novel I'm working on is definitely uh, inspired by his work. I would say Boom Studios puts out great stuff. I like Lumberjanes. And the reason why I like it is because I have a niece who is four, and uh, she hasn't gotten to comics yet, but once I once she's old enough, I'm going to give her all of the Lumberjanes issues. Excellent. And so uh, Lumberjanes is great. Uh, Image is killing it. I mean, I can't. Uh, in my closet right now, they look at all the trade paperbacks. Most of them are Image. Yeah. Uh, Re- Revival was fantastic. Uh, if people haven't read that, uh, it gets a little convoluted with all the characters towards the end, but it's such a great story mm-hmm. that I, I think I really, really love that series. Wow. Um, so, another quick fire. Sweet or savory? Oh, sweet. Mm-hmm. Cats or dogs? Cats, oh, without question. Yeah, yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> Books, paper, digital, or audio? Uh, it has to be paper. Yeah, mm. absolutely. And I'm saying that, that as an author of an audio book and of a digital release. <laughs> like, I, I have to hold it in my mm-hmm. hand. I found that I'm more likely to remember mm-hmm. uh, what as opposed to if I'm reading it on my Kindle. Yeah, we actually find that we can only listen to an audio book if we have read the book beforehand in, yeah. in paper. Yeah. Otherwise we get lost. <laughs> I did that with Game of Thrones. I found I wasn't able to enjoy it until after I had already read in the print. Mm. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're like that with um, reading a lot of sort of Brandon Sanderson at the minute. Um, and there's a lot going on in those books, so it's mm. good to read it. Right. And then you listen to the audiobook and you, you notice things that you maybe didn't notice while reading it. Which is always, it's always good to combine them. Yeah. Um, and final quick fire, film or TV? Oh, um if you asked me that like 10 years ago, it would be film, but I, I feel like now it has to be television. Mm-hmm. All right, okay. I, I think that at least just stateside, you know, we, we had Mad Men and we had Breaking Bad, and yeah. uh, we've just had tremendous, like, even The Shield, I think people forget because it's been off the air for a while now. As as violent and as intense as that show was, uh, it's, it's incredibly well written. Mm-hmm. And there's moments of tension throughout that series that uh, you can feel the tension like in your chest, like you can yeah. feel your chest tighten up a little bit. Uh, watching, like especially season five, six, and seven. So I, I would have to say television. Mm, very interesting. Yeah, I actually feel like I, I've gone that way as well now, especially with Netflix um, coming out with quite a few TV shows that are really interesting. Mm. I feel like they've yeah. kind of they've kind of uh, put me on more of that footing now. When I want to watch a film, I have to like be mentally you have prepared. To, yeah, you have to psych yourself up for it. But if it's a TV show, you just think, ah, oh, just put it on and watch it and whatever. Mm-hmm. I like I, I prefer TV shows because they last longer. Like, if you watch a film, it's sure. an hour and a half or two hours, and then it's over. But obviously, a TV show could go for seasons and decades, and, you know, mm. um, I like the continuity of it all. Mm. Um, we've just sure. started watching Lost in Space recently over on Netflix. Oh, how is it? It's, the first episode actually surprisingly good. Um, it it okay. surprised us with how good it was. It's Obviously, it's changed a few things from, like, the mm-hmm. original, and um, the, the father's a bit different in it, things like that. And obviously, the robot's different in it. Um but yeah, no, it's it seems really good, so we're definitely gonna have to keep watching that. Mm-hmm. Nice. I haven't seen it yet, but I'd like to. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's definitely worth um, giving the first episode a shot. I think it takes a little bit to get into. You have to kind of, sure. like you say, you have to separate the new and the old, really, mm-hmm. um, and think. Right, this Lost in Space stands on its own legs. Mm-hmm. It doesn't 
you know, yeah. go with the other ones. Yeah. Interesting. Um, right. So that kind of wraps up all the questions that we had for you. Is there anything you want to ask us, or is there anything else you want to talk about about the comic book or anything like that? Uh, no, I think I, I guess the thing I'd leave you with is I, I do this at the end of all of the interviews I've done. Um, I give out my cell phone number on the air. Okay. Uh, it's it's my actual number. People can text me because I'm not you know, big into social media, obviously. Yeah. Because uh, <laughs> I social media is bullshit. So like, if people want to keep up with me, they can go to bjmendelson.com. If you like comics and pro wrestling, you can follow me on Twitter. If you don't like those things, then don't follow me. Um, and my actual phone number, if you text me the word sheetrock, which is spelled exactly as down, sheetrock, I will send you a free PDF copy of Social Media is Bullshit. And so the number is 646-331-8341. The country code, I think, is just one. Mm-hmm. So it would be 1646-331-8341. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's I had a blast. Mm, thank you. Uh, well, thank you very much. I had a, a quick question out of curiosity, actually. Sure. How did you find us? Because obviously you've, you, I imagine you've talked to a lot of other sort of podcasters and things like that about promoting the comic. Um, so what kind of drew you to us as well? I did a deep dive into the comics podcasting world, and I so I made a list of about two or three thousand comic book podcasts, and then I cut it down and said, okay, these are the ones I actually would listen to. These are the ones I do listen to. Uh, these are the ones I enjoy, and you guys were at the top of that list. Uh, uh, and I, I, I gravitated to it because I, I kind of like so I'm divorced now, um, but, but but I talk about like I like the idea of a couple doing a podcast especially one that's like covering nerd and geek culture i think there's a there's a fascinating dynamic as opposed to uh a bunch of like straight white guys you know sitting in a room and talking about comics yeah, which is fine yeah, but yeah. but that's that's the, also the majority of comics podcasts if we're if we're being fair there's not a lot of female voices and there's not a lot of voices of uh people having like a couple dynamic and so uh, yeah, that's, I really like that. Oh, you've just absolutely, I don't know if you can hear that, but you've just absolutely melted Maggie's heart. So we, <laughs> oh, we really do appreciate that. It's like oh, this kind of the first um, outsider feedback that we have, that we've received. Um, so that, friends, that's a, that's what I mean, yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. They, they have to tell us it's good. Um, so we do really appreciate that. That was really nice oh, of you actually, to say. Actually, I forgot. I have one okay. more question. Oh, I have sure. one more question. Go for in it. your Twitter profile picture, there's a cat in a sweater. Please explain <laughs> how you managed to do that because it is adorable. <laughs> yeah, uh, so I have, uh, so we have five cats here. All of them are rescues. Uh, oh. That one, his name, his name is Finley, and uh, he was taken away from his mother way too early. Oh. So he self nurses, and we're trying to get him to stop. Oh. And so the shirt is supposed to stop him. It doesn't always work. Uh, you know, the, the second it comes off, he goes right to it. So I think it's like it'd be a lifelong battle. Um, but yeah, so he, and he loves me for whatever reason. Like he, Aww. he's decided that I'm his best friend. Aww. So everywhere I go, he goes. And so I, I was, uh, just hanging out and uh, working on something and he just decided he was going to sit next to me while wearing a shirt. So we made, we made sure to capture that photo. Of course. Aww. Oh, we understand that. <laughs> like, it, obviously we got two cats and a dog and they're all rescues and we know how, clingy they can sometimes be like if, if if our office door wasn't shut right now Kothel black cat would be climbing all over our shoulders and <laughs> yeah. just sitting on our heads 
and just being really weird. So oh, it's oh. absolutely fantastic. As it, as it should be. Of yes. course. Absolutely. Yes. That's why we got a cat. Two cats. <laughs> Two cats, yeah, exactly. We intend to only get one. Anyway. <laughs> so thank you very much for joining us and for all those compliments. You didn't have to go into so much detail, but we really appreciate it. Um, I'm still melting. Yeah. Um, but thank you very, very much. Um, listeners, Please, please go get Vengeance Nevada. It is starting, like, it is, there's just one issue, but there's going to be so many. As Vijay said, he's passionate about this project, so you can be sure that there's going to be so much to look forward to. So get it. It's, I mean, £1.99. It started off strongly, exactly. And it's like on. two quid, and it's, you know, it, it is well worth it. Like, yes. It's definitely worth checking out. So um, please check it fantastic. out. And thank you, Vijay, very much for your time on this podcast. Thank you for having me. Oh, we do appreciate it. It's been an absolute blast for us. So thank you very much for that. So let's move on to our regularly scheduled programming after the excitement of so the interview. So exciting. I know. I'm so excited. Oh, wasn't it the best? It was so good. It was Focus. so good. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> um, so obviously we have to give you a random useless fact to take away into the real world for when you want to start a conversation, when you want to keep a conversation going, when you just want to be the smartest person in the room because you know something they don't. So today's random useless fact is, Alex, can you make it a bit bigger? I certainly can. I do apologize. Why don't I just read it? No, okay. I can get it. I can see it now. So in a test performed by Canadian scientists, woo, Canada, um, using various different styles of music, it was determined that chicken laid the most eggs when pop music was played. So chickens love Justin Bieber. So if you're a farmer and you're listening to this podcast for some reason, yep. uh, just, you know, a bit of pop music. Yep. Increase that productivity, yo. Um, I regret everything I've just said. Um <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so regularly scheduled stuff. Uh, sharing is caring. So is caring. find us on Twitter and Instagram, mainly. Um, there's also a comments section in the website now. It'll be underneath this episode. So if you want to have a look on there and post a comment, start a conversation, that'd be absolutely fantastic. Um, if you can, um, find us and leave us a review or subscribe or... Uh, send us some feedback online if you want. That would be absolutely fantastic. Let us know you're listening. Give us a shout. Um, thank you once again to B.J. Mellison for being a guest on the show. He was an absolutely fantastic guest. I don't oh, think we could have had a nicer guy for I, our first interview. Yeah, and I feel like he was an even better nerd than we were, <laughs> which was awesome. It's we don't usually get to talk to, like, super nerds. Super so. nerds. And that's a compliment. I was going to say, we way. mean that in the nicest way possible. In the nicest way possible, as you will know, because we are nerds. So, um, if you, Maggie, what can they do if they want to support the channel? If you want to support the channel in a very small way, then you can go to our website and find this little button that says coffee or coffee, however you want to pronounce it, and you can just buy us a cup of coffee. So, for example, this afternoon when we went to Starbucks, could have been funded by you. <laughs> you selfish bastards. I know. I just so- want my frappuccinos. I'm such a basic white b b basic white b. yeah um so um so i think that about wraps up today's discussion so thank you all very very much for listening um i've been alex i've been maggie and this was socially coarse